Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said, nothing is impossible with God. I, I, I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did, spending it with my family, with my friends. Um, how many of you ate a little bit too much? Yeah, me too. But there's always that New Year's resolution, right? That's usually broken by the day 20 of, of, the, of the new year. But um, again, I hope you had a great time. And, and, and thank Pastor Alex, if he's listening, for his message last week on uh, uh, bringing that, the blessing of breaking bread. I appreciate the opportunity to, to get off and take some time with my family. But speaking of dreams... I heard about a guy, he said, said to his psychologist, he said, Doc, you got to help me. I've been having strange recurring dreams that I've, I'm either a teepee or a wigwam. Uh, 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 every night, a teepee or a wigwam, a wigwam or a teepee, please, Doc, make it stop. And the doctor looked at him and said, uh, sir, just relax. You're too tense. Some of you are not going to get that till later on today. Two tenths, you get it? TP, we, well, whatever. That was my attempt at humor. Anyway, today's title, of today's message is The Blessing, The Blessing of Being God's Dream. Did you know there's a blessing involved with being God's dream? Amen? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that God has blueprints and had blueprints long ago before we were born, according to the scripture. And as far as we are concerned, we are part of his big picture. We are part of his schematic, his design for this earth. Now, contrary to what some of you or maybe some of you who are listening have been taught, we are not an accident of nature. Some big bang, some billions of years ago, and we happen to be floating through space. And we are not just an accident of our parents, an oops baby, as far as God's concerned. May have been an oops baby for your parents, but not for God. Come on, somebody. God knew what was going on. And the Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons. That's very important. That God does not love the pastor more than he loves you. He does not love the minister or even the pope more than he loves you. Amen? He's not a respecter of persons. Amen? Now, this means that not only does he want us to dream, he, he wants us to know that we are his dream. He wants us to know that we are his dream, and that means he has special things for us to accomplish while we're on this earth, things that he's preordained us and set us apart to do. So the truth is we are God's dream. We are his dream. In, in Psalms 139.16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one came to be. Now, can you think about that just for a moment? He says, I saw your unformed body, but not only did I see your unformed body as, as a baby, he says, I saw all your days. Every day that you are living on this planet, I saw, I saw all your days before even one came to be. Come on, somebody. 
In Jeremiah 1.4, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you, and this was his calling, a prophet to the nations. How many know that we all have a calling? We all have something that God has for us to do. So God knew us before we were even born. But not only that, he has plans and, 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 and a purpose for our everyday lives. Would that be safe to conclude from those two passages? If every day he knew, he knew every day was what was going to happen. And so in Psalms 138.8, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. What does that mean? means he's going to accomplish what he has in store for you. Amen? No matter what obstacle you're facing, what struggle you're going through, what sickness you might be feeling, what financial situation, what's going on with your kids, what's going on with your car, <laughs> what's going on in our community, what's going on in our country, he says he will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hand. Philippians 2.13 says... For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what? To do what pleases you. Help me out, somebody. I just want to make sure you're all awake this morning. That God is giving you the power and the desire to do what? To do what pleases him. So again, who gives us that desire? God does. God gives us the desire to do what pleases him. That means God's got a plan, and he's got a purpose, and he's got things for us to do. I was out with friends the other day, and I said, listen, before I became a Christian, I was doing all sorts of things. I was running my own game. I was running the streets with my friends. But when I became a born-again Christian, it says, the Scripture says, he will give you the desires of your heart. And some people wrongly misinterpret that and think, oh, God's going to give me whatever I desire. No. <laughs> you know, and they think, okay, I'm going to go to the car place. I'm going to lay hands on that Ford truck, or I'm going to go to my neighbor's house with the four bedrooms and the five bathrooms. I'm going to lay and claim that. He says he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Oh, and did you see that girl down the street? She's fine. I'm going to, don't lay hands on that girl now. You might get arrested. <laughs> okay. No, he says, no, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, which means that I'm going to take your heart's desires and I'm going to replace them, your desires, with my desires. Come on, somebody. And I sat there and trying to explain it. I said, before I became a Christian, <laughs> preaching the gospel was never a desire of mine. Uh, going to strangers in different parts of the world, I've been to Russia three times, I've been to Brazil, I've been to India, I've been, I've been all over the world, Jamaica, I've been in the Caribbean, I've been to Haiti, that was not a desire of mine. Who put that desire there? God did. And so don't think it's strange that once you become a believer, that all of a sudden you, the desires that you had, you no longer have, but you will start to desire what he wants you to do. Does that make sense? He, who, he gives us the desires of our hearts. But the question this morning is, how do we fulfill God's dream for us? And I've come up with a couple, four things that we, we need to know if we're going to fulfill God's dream for us. Number one, I want you to write this down. You got to know that you are united with him. You are united with God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. 
Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. The New Living says it this way, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's why he gets all offended with this unequal yoke. He says, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what does light have to do with darkness? What does Satan have to do with God? Okay, you have two different houses. The moment you got married to Jesus, the moment you became born again, you became one with him in spirit. Now, again, that's how do we become one with him? By accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, the day we got born again. And once that happens, I love knowing that whatever I'm facing in this life, from that moment on, I'm no longer facing by myself. I got my big brother with me. I'm on somebody. I've got somebody who's looking out for me. He says he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. He sticks closer than a brother. One, one scripture says, in fact, that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Neither height, nor death, nor, nor, nor demons, nor angels, nor families, nor hardships, nor persecutions. Nothing in this world has the ability to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Where you go, he goes. Amen? Amen? That's why I tell people, don't count me out just yet. I know things look bad. I might be down, <laughs> but I'm never out because I got my big brother behind me all the time. I got Holy, Holy Spirit who says, listen, get up. We still got work to do. We're still moving forward. Amen? And so know that you're united with the Father. Second thing you need to know is that you need to know that you are valuable to God. John 3, 16, we all know it, but let me read 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So that scripture describes the love of God. He loved the world so much that what was the expression of his love to the world? The giving of his son. And it tells us that that he's not trying to condemn us. We are all in a period still, even as bad as the world looks, and the world looks like it's getting pretty bad. We are still in that period of grace. That's why he wants us to preach the gospel, because it's not too late. I don't care how bad things are looking around the world. We are still in that period of grace. God is not trying to condemn us, but he's trying his best to save us. Now listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. He goes on to say, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And every hair on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And so I look at, that, I look at this text, and, I, and, and, I, and, and what went off in my spirit, it, 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 he's, talking to, he's talking to a group of people, and he says, listen, let me, let me tell you uh, how, what God feels about you. First, he says, the hairs of your head are numbered, and I always like to joke, it's getting easier and easier for him to do that for me, the older I get. But the fact that he's counting hairs, the, fa- the fact that he picked the the sparrow, and he said, the value of a sparrow is worth, he says, you can get two for one, basically one penny. You can get two for one. And another translation says, you can get, you can, five sparrows, you can get five sparrows for, for two, for two uh, copper coins. And so one of them was like worth nothing, basically. 
And, and so he's taking the value of, of a thing, he says, and, and, and he's equivalent it to, to a penny. And it reminded me many years ago of how good God is. How many know that, that with God, all things are possible? Uh, when my wife and I was first starting out uh, and we, we decided in our hearts that it's, we've been renting long enough, and, and uh, this is around 19... 89, right around 1990, we were on our second uh, pregnancy, and we, and we decided, you know, we are going to go buy a house. We, we think we're ready to go buy a house. The problem was, when we went to go buy a house, we had no money in the bank, and uh, what I had was a hard, 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 I had a whole lot of faith at the time. And so we called a realtor, like we know what we're doing. And they start doing what they do. They say, okay, let's go. We start showing you houses. And they start showing us these houses all over the, all over the county and the different places. And, and um, some had two, two bedrooms and three bedrooms. We settled, in a, a, we settled after looking at many houses at a house in Sunrise. It had three bedrooms, two, two bathrooms. It had a Florida room. It had a big backyard. And he said, this is the house. This is the house we're going to get. So he takes us into his office. He says, okay, uh, you're going to need X amount of money down to, to start the process of this loan. Uh, do you have money? What, what, what are you going to do for the money? And, I, and, and now we're like rubber meets the road. So I look at my wife, and she's sitting next to me, and she's looking at me. And mind you, we've never had a whole lot of money that we were able to scrape together. And these words came out of my mouth as God is my witness. My father has money. <laughs> and he said, okay. And he started the process based on me saying my father has money. Now, I want you to know that I wasn't talking about my biological father or my stepfather. Because with my stepfather, I couldn't get a quarter out of him without him asking for interest and when I'm going to pay it back. Uh, and this was going to cost somewhere, somewhere around at the time, and this is cheap today because now they asked for lots of money, but it was like $3,400 down with an FHA loan. I never had a couple, I never had more than a couple hundred in the bank at any given time. So this just seemed on its face foolish. But I told him my father had money, and he, he started the paperwork based on that. And then he set a deadline. You know how it works? You, okay, you're going to have to have this money by a certain time. So, oh, God. We stepped out in faith, and now we're going to have to come up with this $3,400. And, and over the next few weeks and months, something strange started happening. The, the stuff that was on my credit, you know how your credit can mess you up too? Disappeared. I mean, it showed up again after. <laughs> it, it disappeared. Money started accumulating in my account. We were able to save it with help from our, uh, my mom and Deb's mom, and that started happening. Not that they gave us, but they, we. We worked things out in certain ways that the money started accumulating. So it came time for, okay, we got the money in the bank, the 3400 Now we need proof of um, that you both work, because we weren't going to be able to do it based on just my income. 
And so I, she needed her income too. The problem was she was on maternity leave. And when she was on maternity leave, uh, we had mentioned that we were in the process of buying a, a house. And how many know that not everybody's happy for you when you're doing, when good things are happening to you? No, uh, you wish that they were, but not everybody is. And they found out that we were trying to buy a house, and my wife was, um, she worked in the school board in the office, as I was one of those uh, helpers in the office. I think she did maybe secretary or bookkeeping or something along those lines. Um, and they let her go while she was on, on maternity leave with Ricky. And so we had to have two proofs of purchase, and they had to have been within two weeks. It couldn't be an old paycheck. And now we're getting to the deadline, and the money was in the bank. The credit, the, the, the credit checks were, had all cleared. Everything seemed to be moving in the, oh, God is doing this. But I have no proof that my wife has worked because they want a check, and she hasn't had a, got a check in months. So guess what we did? We went to prayer. We went to talking to our daddy. Heavenly Father, you know, you said it. We're believing it. We're believing this is from you. We, we, we don't know how you're going to work it out, Lord, but we believe you're going to work this thing out. All the while faithful to the other things that we were doing for the church, youth ministry and, you know, giving and all this other stuff as best we could. And then one day I went out to my, maybe two days before this deadline, I went out to the mailbox. And when I went out to the mailbox and opened it up, there in the mailbox was an envelope with Deborah's name on it. And it said it came from her school board. <laughs> and my hand started to shake just a little bit <laughs> because we haven't gotten any mail from them. And, and since then, I mean, how many know they're not allowed? You, you, the, the kids today have so much more than we had, Amen. right? They weren't allowed to fire you on maternity leave. Back then, they, they can pull it. And in order to get it reversed, you had to go through all sorts of nonsense to get it reversed. And it finally was reversed, but it took months for them to, to go through whatever system and then to give her another job and the whole nine yards. Today, they give you, what, six months off, and they give the husband six months off to pay. There, there was none of that back then. But in this mailbox was this envelope. I said, Deborah, something came in from the mail. I opened up this mail. It's a check with Deborah's name on it, made out to Deborah for one cent. It was almost like an insult check. Like somebody might have, you know, I, I always thought God just spoke to the bookkeeper. <laughs> you owe her money. <laughs> Send her what you owe her. Okay, we owe her a check for one cent. I took that check for one cent. My hands started shaking. We went down to the meet. It was meeting day. We put it down, and he said, okay, you have this done, you have this done, you have this done. Do you have proof of income from both of you? They had my check down. I slapped down her one-cent check, and he looked at that, and he said, that'll do. <laughs> and before you know it, listen to me, we closed on that house. 
that three bedroom, three two bathroom, where the one thing, and that's why I always tell people, listen, if God is involved, you can buy a house for one penny. <laughs> because a penny in my hand by itself ain't worth just, is worth just that. But a penny in the hand of God, come on somebody, could buy a house, could buy whatever he wants you to have. And so when Jesus is talking about the sparrows and they're only worth one cent, and then he turns around and says, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Listen to me. And the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid, folks. You are much more valuable to God than you think you know. Come on, somebody. God is our provider, and he knows exactly what he needs. And even if it takes one cent <laughs> to make a way where there seems to be no way, he can do it. Amen? Uh, and I love the fact that he doesn't wait for us to get our act together to start loving us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There's so many people who say, well, Pastor Rick, I can't come. I can't, I can't serve Jesus because I got, I got this and this and this wrong. Listen, don't wait. You're not going to clean up your own act. God is the one that helps us clean up our act. Amen. So know that you're valuable to God. And then also know that you are born of and to greatness. Put that down there somewhere. Of and to greatness. Now, I didn't say this. Listen to what the word says. Philippians 1.6. He says, I, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until, he, until it is finally finished on that day that Christ returns. In other words, one translation says, he who began a good work, it's faithful to complete it. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are not like that, for you are a, help me out somebody, chosen people, you are a, help me, a royal priest, a, 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 a holy nation, God's, have you ever thought of yourself as God's very own possession? You are God's very own possession. I know some of us have things, the heirlooms that are in our house, that some people, you know, you allow them to look at, but you don't allow them to mess with <laughs> because it's yours. You don't want it broken. I have, I have guitars that I let my kids look at or my grandkids look at, but I don't let them play with it because I, because I value it. Well, the Bible says we are God's very own possessions. And as a result, it says you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, how do we show others the goodness of God? Well, because we are his possessions, we, the love and the grace of God is on full display in our lives, and that should be attractive to others. And that grace that he made, and, and through that grace, he made us what he calls our, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and again, God's very own possession. We are special to God and each of us are born of greatness when we get connected to him through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So not only are we united with God and valuable to him, we're born of and for greatness. But let me give you the last. Lastly, you need to know this. If we're going to fulfill God's plan for our lives and his dream for us, you're going to know that God absolutely needs you. He needs you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do what? To do good works. To just come to church? Come on, somebody. No. But there's work for us to do. Yes, it involves coming to church, but that's not it. That's not all. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word handiwork is also translated as we are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Folks, God has big dreams for us that's going to affect every single area of our lives. It's going to affect our work. It's going to affect our home life. It should affect our, our spouses, our children, our past, our present, and yes, even our future. And in Christ, our future should never, never, never going to look any better than it looks right now, amen, in terms of when I say because we are a believer in Jesus and because he has taken our past and he's given us a clean slate in him, he says, your future looks bright. And my future looks bright no matter what's going on in this world. And so God has, has uniquely created and equipped us to be the people that he's called us to be and to fulfill his dreams through us. Now, there are those who would say, you know, Pastor Rick, that's nice, but um, I don't think I'm the one that God wants to use at this point at my job or with my friends because I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't know this. I don't know that. And, and so they, they say, I'm just going to sit this one out. God will just raise up somebody else. And there are people with that mentality. God will just use somebody else. And, and I want, want you to know that, yes, yeah, sometimes God may raise up someone else, but I believe that sometimes there are people who will not be reached, friends, families, or even strangers will never be reached in the same way if we don't fulfill God's plan for us. If we don't say, here I am, Lord, use me. I believe that there are people who will go into a crisis eternity unless we start to take our walk with the Lord seriously. Think about it. Who are your friends? Who are your family? Who are the people that God has allowed you to be around that he wants you to open up your mouth? I heard a story many years ago about God and Gabriel having a conversation in heaven. Jesus and Gabriel. And he turned to him and he said, you know, Jesus, you, you, you've left a big responsibility for the church in terms of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel and letting people know. You put it in their hands. He says, yes, I have. He said, well, Lord, what if they decide not to do it? What is plan B? And Jesus turned to the angel and he said, there is no plan B. There's only plan A. And you and I are it. And for such a time as now, how I many know never been more important? Because this world seems to be getting darker and darker <laughs> with every passing moment. But that's why Jesus says, I made you the light of the world. 
Because the only thing that needs to happen to dispel darkness is to light a candle. And his light is supposed to be burning in each and every single one of us. Does that make sense? You are God's dream. And so today, I'm going to issue a challenge. It's on the, it's on the bottom of your page. Begin today to ask God for his dreams for your life. Not just your dreams, for his dreams for your life. And the grace to walk it out. Because there's so many of us, we're running here, we're running there. We've got our schedule. We've got what we want to, to do on our agendas. But how about we start saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. What is it that you want me to do? What desires are you trying to write on my heart? For some of you, it might be just talking to a friend about him. Some of you have, have latent skills, whether it's, I don't know, painting or singing or whatever. He might put a song in your heart to share. That might be a desire to pray for people. Um, for me, it just started with, okay, Lord, what is it you want? I'm going to be a clean slate. He says, you're calling to the ministry. I said, call to do what, Lord? I'll do anything you ask me to do. And then he started leading me children's ministry. That was my first ministry. I signed up in the back to start working with the kids as a teen, as a teenager. And then from there, he opened up the doors to prison ministry. And I started going into the prisons and telling men and women about the love of Jesus. And then he opened up the doors to the street ministry and the homeless. And I started going out with my friends on the, on the street corners and started telling them about how good God is and the grace of God in our lives. And then he put on my heart, I was driving home and, and there was a, a, tree, uh, a ministry going to Russia in 95 when the walls finally came down. And they're bringing a group of people over to tell them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're supposed to go. I'm like, what? And I come from a military background, Air Force background. And back then, the Russians were always considered our enemies. And I'm like, what am I going to go over to Russia for? And he just wouldn't let me know. Go to Russia. I said, then I finally said, Lord, what's a Jamaican going to be doing in Russia? <laughs> And sure enough, that was another faith builder because it cost like $3,400 to go. And I came home and I told my wife, I think the Lord wants me to, to go to, to Russia. And I thought she was going to flip out. She said, okay. I said, I said, Russia. <laughs> Other side of the world, Russia. She said, Okay. I said, something's wrong with you. She said, the only thing is, if God wants you to go, it can't be any of our money, because our, our, our money's always been tight. If he wants you to go, it, he has to raise the money somehow the way. I said, that's fair. And I thought she thought that not, the money wasn't going to come in. But the money came in, 
for me to go to Russia. Three times. And the first time I went, and, and we shared with the kids, and we went into schools, and we went into the orphanages, and we went on the streets. And that was 10 days, and when I came back, something happened on the plane on the way back. I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit again. And I'm not one that says, oh, God is talking to me all the time. I can point to a couple, handful of times where I know that I know that I know I heard the voice of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Ricky, on the plane, I said, yes, Lord. And mind you, there's a whole bunch of people around. And I just came off this first trip, and I was blown away because when I was in Russia, I, I thought I had no business being over there. But because I looked so different of all the people in the group, the kids were all attracted to me. They thought I was an NBA basketball star. <laughs> and everywhere I went, there were droves of kids following me around, and then they wanted to play basketball, and I'm a decent basketball player, but I'm not NBA, but I was beating them. And I was younger, and, and I got to share Jesus to everybody I could tell. And God just blew me away that he would even use me in that way. And so I'm on the plane, and he says, Ricky. I said, yes, Lord. And he said something that changed my life forever. He said, thank you. I said, excuse me? Thank you for being obedient. And as God is my witness, as, as there are people all around me in that plane, I lost it on the plane. I just started weeping before the Lord that my king and my Lord would take the time to say, thank you for being obedient. Folks, you are God's dream, and I am God's dream. And there's a blessing in telling God yes and allowing him to use you for such a time as now and allow him to put his desires in your heart because his desires will equate to eternal um, multiplications. See, a lot of times we just want the temporary stuff, the stuff that's going to be here today and going tomorrow. You want to know what God's top three priorities are? You can write this down somewhere. People, people, people. God wants heaven filled with people. Not that complicated when you think about it. And so as we come to close this morning, Fulfilling God's plan for your life, for becoming God's dream, it all starts with accepting Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give everyone an opportunity to do just that. Let's uh, bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this message, Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender. I stop running from you. I surrender my life to you. 
Forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Three days later, to rise from the dead. Because he lives, I believe the promise that I shall live as well. I surrender all to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.